It's a, it's a good Sunday morning, and I'm glad you're here uh, with us today. And we have uh, Alyssa back with us today, so the band is uh, one more uh, Sunday break, and they'll be back with us Wednesday, I believe. So anyhow, it's good to have you live streamers. Good morning, and I hope everybody's doing well. So we're going uh, to head into a uh, time of, of worship this morning. Amen. So if you would stand up on your feet, I'll, pr- I'll pray to, to kick us off today. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to be able to come together this morning, spend time in worship in the word. And, and I thank you, Jesus, just for who you are. And we worship you today and we praise you today, Lord. Your name be lifted high and, and the name that is above every name. That's who you are. And we worship you today. Lord, Lord, all that we do this morning to, to glorify you. We pray our, our worship is pleasing to you, that the word that comes out today, that, that is, is encouraging, equipping, but all from you and for you. And we thank you just for all the things that you've done in Jesus' name. Let, let, let's worship this morning together.
Let's just raise our hands there. Lord Jesus, let's just worship him for a second. Lord Jesus, we praise you today. Thank you, Father, for being with us this morning. We worship you because we do believe that you are the only one who can. You're the only one who can save us. You're the only one that can give us eternal life. You're the only one, Lord Jesus, and we worship you and we praise you today. We stand in you. We live by you and live for you. Praise you, Jesus. Worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right. Well, before, before we keep rolling this morning, how about you say hi to like two or three people and, and then jump back to your seat, and then we'll, uh, we'll get on with things today. Thank you, Alyssa. That was, we'll take up tithe and offering, so if you need a tithe and offering, I'll wave your hand around, and uh, our ushers will help you out this morning. Um, we're glad you're with us today, and uh, you know, we, we have some values in our church that we guide what we do by, so we have three, three main values that we live by faith, right? We value relationships, church together, and that we're a light of the world. Amen. We need to be taking the gospel to the world. So uh, giving, it falls under our first value that we live by faith. How many of y'all are people who live by faith? Let me see. Well, you know, living by faith is a response to the revelation of Jesus Christ, right? So our first act of living by faith is a response to the gospel, Right? Then, 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 we, then we find out that's not the end of the show, right? Now there is a life to live. It's not just saying, well, I, I, I prayed a prayer and I'm saved. No, now there's a life to live. And one of the ways that we learn about the life to live is right here. And we live by faith according to the scriptures. Amen. And, and we're taught so much in the scriptures. But certainly we find our tithe and our offerings part of that. So living by faith is following what we've learned through revelation, and re revelation comes different ways. One of the ways is the scriptures. And we know that when we give, we give because simply God is our provider. Right? How many know God is your provider? And our giving is just simply a response to that. It's, it's that simple. But, you know, in our giving, we learn a lot. And we learn the place of money in our life that shouldn't be anywhere above uh, a place of, well, it's just a tool. It's just something we need to live by, but it's not a God in our life. It's something we don't serve. And, and so we learn a lot of stuff. We learn dependency upon God. We learn all these different things simply by the act of giving, living by faith. So this morning, you know, if, if you bring, if you have an opportunity to, you can today, and you bring something down to the bucket, this, this is a walk of faith because you're living by faith. And you're responding to the goodness of God. Amen? Let me, let me pray over it today. Lord, we thank you. Uh, to be able to come to your house, to spend time in worship. And, and, we, and part of our worship this morning is that we're, we give. And, and we thank you, Lord, uh, for your provision. We thank you for always being there for us. We thank you for every day, this day, our daily bread. But, but above and beyond that, that we are people who respond to your goodness in giving. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. amen. If you have something this morning, you can bring it down. 
Um, by the way, uh, Alyssa, thank you. Everybody say thank you to Alyssa. Um, she uh, uh, obviously, uh, the band the last uh, week hasn't been here. I, th I think the team will be back, Samara and the team will be back Wednesday. But Alyssa did a phenomenal job uh, yesterday and last Sunday. And she drove from Columbus Grove, which is, what, an hour and a half from here? So last Sunday and this morning, she drove a good way. She's part of the worship team at the Only Believe Botkins campus. And, and when we uh, realized that our team was going to be out for a week and a half. Uh, Alyssa very graciously came down to help us with our worship. But uh, that's Patrick with her, by the way. And they're getting married in June. So congratulations on that. And uh, um, I've known Patrick and Alyssa forever. They, they were in my youth group, youth ministry, ever since they're like in fifth grade. So I know them, which is why I'm still perplexed why Alyssa's marrying Patrick. But that's a whole other story. Um, I'm kidding. But uh, uh, we're praying blessings on you. But thanks for coming down today. And by the way, where's Mike? I saw, oh, that, that, well, I didn't see it. That's Alyssa's dad visiting with us today. Uh, but it's not easy standing up here by yourself and carrying worship. You know what I'm saying? She does a very talented. Thank you, Alyssa, for coming down. So uh, anyhow, uh, by the way, and, and Maddie, uh, my son's fiance, she's going back to college tomorrow morning. So ladies, I want you all to grab her and pray for her. She heads back to Ashland uh, University tomorrow morning. And she runs track at Ashland. And uh, she's kind of talented, you know. So... Uh, last year, she was ranked number 12 in the nation in the 400-meter dash, so not too bad. Not, not, too, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, when she was in high school, she won the state 300-meter hurdles, so state champion. So I told my son, how does it feel to date a girl that's a much better athlete than you? So, so I like this because my grandkids, I'm expecting them to be athletic. You know, I, I told my kids, look, if you're going to marry somebody and you expect me to come to the games, they should at least be playing, you know what I'm saying? So marry some athletes. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Anyways, <laughs> so we'll, we'll pray for, and Gavin, you go back. You have another week yet before you go back, Gavin, right? So Gavin's going back to Ohio Christian uh, next weekend. But anyway, so uh, some quick announcements. Don't forget, we are in the midst of 21 days of prayer. And uh, the church is open from 6 to 7, Monday through Friday, for prayer. If you'd like to come in for uh, extra time of prayer here at the church, there are uh, yellow pieces of paper on the back table. It has a, kind of a prayer guide if you want to follow along. But it's something that you'll never uh, stop hearing me say. Uh, we are a church that prays, and we're going to pray. And, and if we don't pray, then what's the point? Right. So uh, we pray and it comes through everything that we do. So uh, participate. And on Tuesdays, if, if you're able to, if you're able to on Tuesdays uh, is the day that we're, we're fasting together as a church during the 21 days of prayer. So we're, we're entering our second week this week of that. So uh, thank, for, thank you for your prayer. And uh, we just believe uh, in our, our 21 days of prayer, kicking off the new year, that we're, we're after the mind of God, the heart of God. Amen. For our church that we're strengthened together in our prayer. We're unified in our prayer together and all sorts of things. Certainly we're praying for our nation and all the things that are happening. It's not just about our church, but certainly we pray for our church, but, but big picture too. So uh, thank for your prayers are, are, are very important to us. And also, Justice, can you throw up, if, is, is the screen back there for the um, Exo Marriage Conference? Because I don't want to get... Uh, my dates wrong. Can you find that? That's the series identity. Uh, 
There it is, okay. It's flying through there. All right, so the EXO Marriage Conference is a simulcast uh, from Jimmy Evans, and they do this, uh, they've been doing it for years. It's a very good uh, marriage conference. So we're actually going to pipe the simulcast in here. And so uh, Friday, uh, February the uh, 12th, oh, thanks. Friday, February 12th, and Saturday, February the 13th, we're going to host the simulcast here. So if, if you're a married couple or you're planning on getting married, uh, this is a good simulcast for you to sign up at the back table. And uh, we're going to provide uh, child care. We'll have some food here. Um, but uh, just so you know, the times on Friday night are from 8 to 10, and Saturday they're from uh, 10 a.m. to 12.30. Now, the reason it's a little late on Friday, this simulcast happens in Texas. We are an hour behind. So they're, they're actually 7 to 9, which is a better time. We're 8 to 10. But I think our church, we guys are a bit of night owls anyways, from my understanding. So 8 to 10, and then uh, the next morning uh, from 10 to 12.30. And there's different sessions and different things. But it's for strength in your marriage, kind of like this. And we've been saying this. It, you know, your car, you, you don't want to uh, wait till your car starts breaking down to try to fix it. You want to keep your car maintenance, right? You change the oil, you get the brakes looked at, you know, you get your tires changed. You want to do this stuff before there's problems, right? So the marriage conference, if you think your marriage is good, I encourage you to come to the marriage conference. So Margo, this summer we will have been married 27 years. Am I right? See, so I, 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 I remembered that. Thank you. Oh, by the way, today's my daughter's birthday which I forgot this morning, but she turns 18 today. But anyways, um, even though we've been married 27 years, did not mean that we shouldn't work on our marriage. You see what I'm saying? So we're going to be here at the simulcast because we want to work on our marriage. So um, be sure to, when we, when we offer these kind of things, they're extra tools for you to help you, and that's what this is about. So if you're interested in being here for that, Go ahead and sign up at the back table. And I think, and don't forget the ladies. I think this is still, I know we've been saying just because of what's been happening with the church. Ladies, we're still getting together, Margot, correct, on Saturday, January the 30th. And uh, she'll give, she's working on the time yet. She's talking to people about the time. Just a little food here and a, a get-together. So if you want information about that, see Margot. So January the 30th, Saturday at uh, some point. So anyways, all right, let's get into our series today. Two weeks, our second week, in a series entitled Identity. So uh, we started this last week in uh, understanding who you are is important because it establishes a base in your life for how you live. Okay? Who you are is important. And, and I think sometimes uh, you are, Christians, I was put this, as, as believers in Jesus, you are established as something in Jesus, right? But oftentimes we either don't know it, or you kind of know it, but you have a hard time believing it. And, and, if, and if that's the case in your life, then certainly then there's a hard time living it, Right? So we're talking about identity because I want you to be established and rooted in who you are in Jesus. Because it makes a big, big difference for how you live your life. Amen? So last Sunday we started with this idea in simple, basic creation. That God is a good God and he's a good creator. Right? 
And he made things, and if you, and if you look at the account in Genesis, and God making things, and he made man, right, mankind, and we're, we are the, the long-standing fruit of that original creation, correct? And he said it was very good. God made things, and ultimately he said all the things he made were very good, right? And mankind's a part of it. So his original intention in creating people is that they're very good. So you need to start saying that God is a good God, and he's a wonderful creator, and he made this whole deal, including me, because God makes you with intent. And we saw Psalm chapter 139, the great that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, right? And he knew me as being formed in my mother's womb, right? So you're not an accident. You get, you know, now we got to start thinking. You are not a, a one-off mistake. You know? Well, God made all, these, all this very good, and then he got to me, and, and he wasn't paying attention when, when he made me or when I happened. Then he got back to business after I, I came out. So look at the big mess that, that I am. Well, it, there's a certain part of that big mess we'll talk about in just a second, but God made you with intent. And he made you with purpose, and he made you the fact that you are very good. And you have to believe that. Because we often, uh, whether we're, we're self-critiquing, you look in the mirror, and now all of a sudden I have all these critiques of what I don't like. Or maybe you've been conditioned because of things that have been said about you. Uh, maybe maybe a, a parent or a situation in school or, or, or whatever, that, that you have a, a, an opinion about yourself that was formed by somebody else, but it was not formed by God, it was not formed by Scripture. And the devil likes to use that stuff. He would like you to feel inferior, not good enough. Uh, he likes to bring confusion to your life through things like he, he loves self-doubt. He, he loves a, a, a critique that, that brings a, a low self-esteem. You know, I was a youth pastor for over 20 years. There's this idea of low self-esteem was something we talked about a lot. Because young people have a tendency to struggle with it. But I also discovered it's not just young people who struggle with it. It can be older people, too. God made you with purpose and intent. We're going to get into these things in the next couple of weeks. But you have reason. You have purpose. You were not random. You were not a mistake. You weren't a one-off from what was good. You're here for, for specific reason. Do you know, and we'll, we'll bring this up in a couple of weeks. Do you know, when, when the Bible says, here's an example. When the Bible says that we're a body that works together, my body, as imperfect as it is, is not just a bunch of random stuff that, that sort of functions. Specific things serve specific purposes that work together in certain ways so things happen the way they're supposed to. By the fact that I'm standing here and, and talking and moving my arm while I'm doing it means that my body is coordinated and functioned and put together in a very specific way. By the fact that you're a part of the body of Christ here, that alone says you are specific and purpose and have intent because we're brought together to function like a body. That's just one way of looking. There's a lot of ways of looking at it. So everybody needs to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and go, okay, I could critique myself, but I sort of need to stop. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't ever work on improving things in your life, but the point is i got to stop the big picture thing looking in the mirror and saying I don't like what I see. Right. You have to stop that. Because God liked what he saw. 
and he made it. Because he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, and he still formed you anyways. And if God thought you were okay enough to make, then you should see yourself as okay enough to be here. Right? But, okay, so all that we talked about last week, that was very incomplete. There, there's something big that we need to talk about in conjunction with that. So, so even though this is a four or five week series, part one and two really go together. And the reason is because of what happens in Genesis chapter 3. God makes a very good creation with intent and purpose, which we are the extension of, right? But then in Genesis chapter 3, what happens? Man falls in sin. And this whole idea of this good creation gets messed up. See, see if you take your Bible, here's, here's a big picture summary. Good, perfect creation at the start, and then the very end is renewed creation. And, the, and, the, and what's in between the Genesis and Revelation is the drama of redemption being played out. Perfect creation, redeemed and renewed creation, and that drama of redemption played out. And then certainly we're a big part of that, human beings. So yes, people are intended and purposeful and made very good, but then we made a problem with it. We messed it up. Sin, right? But the loving God that he is, and we just had Christmas, God in flesh, right? He comes in order to save his creation. For God so loved the world, he sent. And here comes Jesus. And the ultimate purpose of the establishment of the kingdom of God and, and the things that he taught and the miracles that he did culminated in the death on the cross. Certainly then God backed him up and everything he did, he even rose from the dead. This victory over sin that messed up the perfect and good creation. This is our avenue of being redeemed so creation can be restored. So I can tell you that you were made good and, 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 and uh, with purpose and intent and talents and abilities and all these different things, which is good. But because of sin, if it's not redeemed, it don't mean a whole lot. You see what I'm saying? These two parts need to play together. So man falls in sin, and now creation is on a trajectory of death and decay and things just falling apart. But God, because he loves his creation, even though he didn't make a mess of it, he comes and takes responsibility for it and dies on the cross for our sins. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, here's a very well-known, for most of us, passage of, of Scripture. Paul writing to the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So here we go. The drama being played out of redemption. We find uh, Paul describing it this way. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Now, we're going to talk about this next week. Next week, we're going to be talking about what it means to be in Christ as part of ident our identity. But if anyone is in Christ, who here today is in Christ? Okay. So how did that happen? How are you in Christ? And, and certainly we know that Christ is in us, right? There's this dual thing. We'll talk about that next week. How did that happen? Very simply, the, the great miracle of Scripture is our salvation, right? By the way, the two great miracles you find in Scripture, we, how many of y'all know we, we believe in the miraculous? Okay, so, but the two great ones in Scripture we find is, is salvation and then new creation, resurrection from the dead, and, and life eternal. 
So one, so one is hap has happened, isn't happening, one is to come. And all the other miracles that we see are signposts and things that point towards these things. So we talk about, let's say, physical healing. We believe that, that God is our great physician. We can pray that God heals our bodies, right? These are signposts of things to come. Do you realize, though, put it this way. If, if I had a, a physical need and God healed it, how many of you know, unless Jesus came back, I'm still going to die? Why? Well, because the two great that signpost is inward healing, salvation, pointing us towards the finality, all things made new, resurrection from the dead, where there will be no more death. And things will be made, things will be perfect again, right? You're signposts towards these things. So we live in this now and not the attention of, of, of those kind of miracles, right? But we believe in them. But it's a now and not yet tension of what's happening, right? But the, how we are in Christ, this great miracle of salvation is simply believing and confessing our sins, right? I believe in Jesus, who he is. The revelation of who he is hits my heart. Then I realize that I'm a sinner. I need forgiven. How many of y'all ever came to a place, man, I'm a sinner. I mean, okay, yeah. And then you realize, man, I need forgiven, right? And the great wonder of the gift of God is just asking, forgive me of my sins. Please forgive I know I can't do it by myself, and I realize then in that revelation that he is the one who forgives me of my sins, right? Just by that simple act of faith, believing and confessing, I am now in Christ. Correct? I am in Christ. And watch what happens because I'm in Christ. And go back to 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. Now, wait a second. Why is there a need for new creation? Because we messed up original creation. Right? See this drama again. New, perfect original creation. We end up with redeemed creation. The drama of redemption is played out, right? And it's found in this stuff right here. I am a new creation because I'm in him. So what happens in new creation? The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. So you were made good, very good, with purpose and intent, but because of sin, God still needs to do a work in you to bring new creation. And I'm in him, I'm a new creature. And, and, and again, this, this is one of those things that we have to start taking account of and standing in and believing. By the simple act of my salvation, God made me new. In here. Did he not? And I have to believe that. Now, here's the thing. Does that mean that I just became perfect? My goodness, no. I remember when I got saved, I was, I was two weeks out of high school, 17 years old, two weeks out of high school, and then I, I told you a little bit of the story before. Then two weeks after my salvation, I was sitting in church, right? I wasn't paying attention to what the preacher was saying, but I was in church, okay, kudos to me, and some reason, somehow, some way, the Holy Spirit grabbed this very immature baby Christian and, and called me to ministry. And I had an idea what that was all about because my dad had, had been in ministry, but I really didn't know what I was getting myself into, put it that way. 
So immediately I changed all the plans that I had, where I was going to college, what I was going to major in, and all that different stuff. And I went to a, a Christian school that offered a, a Bible major. And I showed up, and, and my roommate was this guy named Scotty Gibbons. Became good friends. But Scotty was perfect. Be honest with you. The guy, in my estimation, never did anything wrong, right? I mean, he just, he just thought the guy was perfect. So I showed up. I'm, I'm saved for, at that point, just a couple of months. I mean, I literally changed my life and drove to Bible school way far away from my parents' house. And ended up in a room with Scotty, right? We, we both came. I, I walked on the football team. He, he was a scholarship player. We ended up as roommates. And I realized that even though I was a new creation, because of Scotty and his example, that was still pretty messed up, is the point I'm getting at. Now there is this process of working out my newness, right? Because even though I've been made a new creation, it doesn't mean life is perfect and life is easy and, and, and there's no more struggle. Now I begin to work this out. But here, here's the thing. As, as, here, this is an old guy. His name is Maximus the Confessor. Okay, imagine naming your kid Maximus. And then you confess so much, they started calling you the confessor. But anyways, this, he's, a, he's an old early church father, way, way hundreds of years ago, right? He said that Christ has given us a new way to be human. It's one of his famous quotes. Christ has given us a new way to be human. So, so our newness in him being a new creation now affords us to be a different way. Because in the goodness of our creation, we messed it up in sin, but, but Jesus is riding the boat a little bit here and giving us a new way to live life in the midst of a messed up world. Okay? So I had to discover that. Yeah, yeah, I'm saved, but I'm still messed up, but I've been opened up a way through him to live as he intends me to live, the Christian life, discipleship, however you want to put it. Right? So... We have to stand in this idea that even though I know I'm not perfect and I still make mistakes, if I am saved, I'm a new creation. And the abundant life is working that newness out in how I live. That, that, is, that is not just being forgiven of your sin, being, but being set free from your sin. Your identity in Jesus is the fact that you have been set free from sin. New creation, right? And as Jesus told, remember the woman that, that was caught in adultery and, and they wanted to stone her? And all the big hypocrisy of those guys, right? You know, big hypocrisy happening there. Remember Jesus was like, well, if any of you are perfect, go ahead and throw the first stone. And they all were like, oh, man. Well, you know. Right, and, and they all kind of walked away, the, the wisest first, and then they followed, and then he was left with the woman. And, and the one who was perfect, that could have cast a stone, didn't do so. That was Jesus, right? He said, I don't condemn you. Now, notice that he did send her away, but, but go and sin no more. We don't live in condemnation from our sin, but it doesn't mean we stay in our sin. See, your identity is that I have been set free from sin, so it is the working with the help of the Holy Spirit that we don't stay in our sin. New creation lived out, that's the abundant life. Okay? So I, you've got you to believe this, I am a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That, that is the importance of water baptism. It is an outward public confession of the newness right here. 
Old man, washed of the Holy Spirit, right? Come up. Oh, I'm sorry, old man, come up, new man, right? Old man, and it's a public confession of what has happened in here. It doesn't mean uh, imperfect, come up perfect. It means old, come up new, and I'm going to live it out, right? And that's why we take communion. So the two great sacraments of church, baptism and communion. Baptism is the symbol of it, right? Communion is the constant remembrance of the means of how that's possible, the, the, the broken body and shed blood. That's why we practice these things, to keep it in front of us. So my identity in Jesus starts with the fact that I have been made a new creation. All right, so Galatians. And by the way, there is so much in the Bible, in the New Testament about this stuff. We're just going to hit some things today. So Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20, where we'll go next. So this new creation, it is the kingdom life, the abundant life. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. Says I, everybody says me. me. Okay, I have been crucified with Christ. So when Jesus went to the cross, he took our sins to the cross, did he not? And became the perfect, only needed sacrifice for our sins. And through this, we find uh, the, the, the final work that brings forgiveness in our life. But, but Paul is saying here, we were crucified with him on the cross. In other words, our sins were taken to the cross for us with Jesus. So in effect, what is wrong with me was crucified with him. The problem of man was crucified with him. And because of that, then, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. So, I'm a new creation, and I stand in the fact that I'm a new creation. Even though I'm not perfect, I stand in the fact that I'm a new creation because I have been crucified with Christ. And what follows is, then, as he was raised from the dead, I have new life, resurrected life through him. The amazing work of the love of God is all that was wrong with me, that this wonderful, intended, purposeful creation that I am, what is wrong with me was crucified with Christ on the cross. And now through faith, I live the life that's intended and purposed for me through his work. It is Christ who lives in me. And what I love about that is that it's not like, okay, so I've been forgiven, new creation, and it's not like God then checks out and says, good luck. I hope you make it. Just, just do your best. And I hope your best is good enough. No, it's Christ who lives in me. We're doing this together. My identity is I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me, and we do this together. And in, our, and in the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, he ascended, sent the Holy Spirit, comforter, counselor, the one to be with us, right? We're filled with him. And I live this life that he calls me to live with his help. You are never alone. So you look at yourself, and you say, okay, all right. Who am I? Well, whatever you can, well, my name is, and maybe whatever your name is and what that means to you, I am, but I'm a new creation. Inwardly, the old was gone. 
I've been set free from the sin that messed me up. So in other words, we are made in the image of God. Sin marred the image of God in us, right? Salvation restores the image of God in us. You think about it that way, right? I'm a new creation. And even though I'm not perfect, all that was wrong with me was crucified with Christ. And because he is in me and I am in him, it's the possibility of living a new life. I don't have to stay in my sin any longer. Right? I can live the abundant life, not because I can do this on my own, but part of my identity is the fact that God is always with me. Right? And you need to find confidence in it. None of this is about pride. Pride is the downfall of all things. Not pride, but it's a certain confidence. And there's a phrase I say here all the time. God is with me, right? God is for me. God is working for my good. And if you guys are saying it with me, I'm getting somewhere with you. I can tell. God is with me. He's for me. He's working for my good. You always got, that's part of my identity. I'm not left alone. I'm not forsaken. I don't have to do this on my own. I don't have to try to overcome by my own willpower. But part of my identity is I am in him and he is in me. Amen. Confidence. Now, because of that, all things are possible. Is that right? And it starts, it, that whole things are possible starts with the abundant life for you. This, this new way of being a human being in the midst of a messed up and lost and dying and decaying world that you can live in the way that God has called you to live. It's not impossible. All things are possible. Amen? Okay. We'll keep rolling here. All right, so... Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 12. I like this little, little verse right here. It's a quote from, from the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 12. Did you know that, that uh, God, you know that God is not looking to destroy you, but he's looking to redeem you? You know that. Some, some of y'all got to change your idea of God. He said, the mean old man up there, he can't wait till I mess up so he can zap me with that lightning bolt or, you know, smash me into a grease spot. No, God isn't looking to destroy you. He's looking to redeem you because he knows wrath is coming. And he's trying to save his creation. You got to get your mindset different about God. So I'm a new creation. What is wrong with me has been crucified with Jesus on the cross. And then watch what happens with this because of forgiveness. Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 12. For I, who's I? God. For God will be merciful towards their iniquities. In other words, sin and what's wrong. God's first step towards us is always mercy. You know that. E e listen, even if, even if sometimes uh, you're coming to him isn't coming in necessarily the most perfect way. How do we know that? You know the story of the prodigal son? When the son finally came to his senses to come home. Now, would you understand something about the son in that story? And we're going to, sometime maybe this year, we'll, we'll tear that, that parable apart. When the son was coming home, he wasn't coming home to get forgiveness from the father. He was coming home to be uh, uh, in a place where he was being provided for. 
He was tired of eating with the pigs and the slop and all that. He wanted to come back because, remember, he said, maybe he'll at least treat me like one of his servants. They, they got it way better than what was happening to me just now. But the father still saw him far off and ran to him. God's first step towards us is always mercy. Always. So he would be merciful towards us, right? And uh, towards our iniquities. And watch this. And I will remember their sins no more. Now, part of your identity, the fact that we know we're forgiven new creation. God does not keep a record of the sins that he's forgiven us from. You know that? He doesn't hold it over your head in case you mess up again so he can bring them back up to you. Well, I did forgive you, but you remember when. And I just knew you were going to do this again. So let's just talk about how bad you are. He's not like that. So how many of y'all have a, a past past? Anybody? Okay. Well, everybody has a past, but some of y'all have a past past. You know what I'm saying? God has cast that sin as far as the east is to the west, and he does not remember that sin any longer. You know that. So when God sees you, he doesn't see you as that. You've got to quit seeing yourself as that. Because sometimes we're the one who remembers it, and we're the one who keeps bringing it up, and we're the one that lives in condemnation because of it. Your identity, and as you stand before him, he sees you as new creation. And the sins you have been forgiven of, he does not hold against you and count them. He doesn't remember them anymore. He sees you as who you are. You've got to see yourself that way, too. I am forgiven. Perfect, no, but forgiven. Kind of like this. So when, when, you, when you ask for the forgiveness of your sins, from the point you're standing right here, everything behind you is forgiven and, and forgotten by God. You know that? Everything behind me. And the whole deal is that that's, that's the churchy word justification. That's what that means. I'm, I'm forgiven. Everything behind me. Now I work to live forward sanctified. I'm justified, now I must live sanctified. And with his help, I live forward. But what, I, what do I do when I make a mistake? I ask forgiveness. From that point forward, everything behind me is forgiven. Right? This is our identity in him. So you've got to be able to look at yourself and say, you know what? I've made some mistakes, but I am forgiven. And you stand in it. That's what it means to be a new creation. Just this whole redeeming thing. Right? It's part of the fact that you see yourself before God as God sees you. You're forgiven. Quit beating yourself up over your past. Christians have trouble, and we're going to read about condemnation in just a second. Christ, some Christians have trouble with the sin of their past and then staying in condemnation for it. Because of mistakes made, and sometimes mistakes made have big consequences. That affected a lot of other people just besides yourself. And it's easy to stay in condemnation for things that have happened that you've been forgiven for. Now, let's just be honest. There is sin that happens in your life, even though God forgives you for it, there's lasting ramification. Let's just be honest. And, and sometimes that's hard to deal with. But in the eyes of God, 
you are a new creation and forgiven, and you must see yourself that way because the enemy will use that as a tool to bring sin back into your life, right? Or at least keep you from a place to see yourself in a certain way. So it's kind of like I've been forgiven and God's calling me to do a certain thing, but because I know my past and I have condemnation, I don't feel like I'm good enough to do it. You see what I'm getting at? We got to see ourselves as God sees ourselves. Because as, let's just go to the uh, one about condemnation. Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. Again, so much we could be looking at, but we're just hitting some, some keys here. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for who? For those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, are we in him? Yes. Yes. There's no condemnation for you. You don't have to feel condemned for your past. Listen, never ever lose the wonder of amazing grace. Don't ever be, don't ever cease to be amazed by amazing grace. You know, in, in, in scriptures we see it's the primary experience and central emphasis of Christianity resolve, revolves around the theme of, of forgiveness. You know that? The whole thing revolves around forgiveness. Without forgiveness, there would be no Christian faith. It is the foundation for how things roll and how God works. That we stand forgiven before him, new creation, that's how it happens. And we don't have to live in condemnation for our past. Stop condemning yourself for what you've done. Uh, I think some of you know we had a, um, for years we had a television show. And it um, uh, went, went all over the place. And I was teaching on forgiveness. So, so what would happen was, it would be like this morning, if they were actually keeping this, they'd, they'd cut it, edit it, produce it, and throw it out. So we were on like a two-week time lapse. So in two weeks, what was on the air was happening today. And I was talking about forgiveness, and I don't remember which guy. I was just, had just been watching. How many of y'all love murder mystery stuff? Me? I love murder. Okay, so anyways, I was watching a show on famous serial killers, right? And I don't know why it intrigues me. And um, not because I'm learning how to do it. I'm just, it intrigues me. And uh, they, I brought up whatever the latest show was on. I don't remember the Green River Killer or somebody like that. I brought up this serial killer, and I said, do you realize, I told whatever the story was, all the people that this person had killed, do you realize that in prison, before they, they were uh, uh, executed for what they did, if they cried out to God and asked for forgiveness, that God would forgive him? So, so the, the show went out. And the very next day, we always get correspondence. Next day, there was an email from a lady and just said, nope. God could not forgive that person because what they did was too evil and too wrong. Now, do you understand how you can think that way? Because what this person did was very evil and very wrong. And if there were, you can probably think of people in history, you go, oh, man, that person, uh, Hitler. Stalin, you know, Genghis Khan. Would God really forgive these people if they had actually cried out to him? That's why God is God and I am not. 
Because I would be like, oh, dude, you're lucky I'm not God. Because no way. You know, I'm still working that out in my salvation. You know what I'm saying? But this lady was adamant this person could not be. And I, I wrote a response and never heard back. But if God can forgive somebody that does something so evil, and what is more evil than taking somebody else's life? Right? If God can forgive, and then that person be able to say, I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And, and again, this person working, and I don't have to stand in condemnation for what I've been forgiven for. How much more for us? Now, I'm about you. I've never killed nobody. All right? But I've done a lot of other stuff because sin is still sin. Right? And I need to count myself as forgiven and not live in my past. Because remember, not, not only are you forgiven, but you're set free for this. So, so the jail cell has been opened. So why stay in it? You can walk free from your sin and know that I am not in condemnation. I've been justified. I'm going to live sanctified because in Christ, my identity is I am a new creation. Old's gone. The new is here, and I'm working this thing out. Amen? So you are very good. You were made with purpose and intent. And even where we went to mess up that whole deal, God still comes to correct it. Yes. And that's who we are. Are you willing to stand in that and believe that? Yeah? So when we talk next week about being in Christ, what it means to be adopted, as, as we, we talk about when it comes to Abraham and the family of faith and being gra and grafted and adopted. We'll talk about that next week. But two weeks, we're going to get to this thing of being called in your life. Do you believe that enough that when God calls you to do things, you feel yourself worthy of doing what he calls you to do? Huh? We're going to get to that. But you have to believe that. Amen? All right. I'll, I'll quit there. I'll just keep rolling. So I'll stop there. Get you out of here today. Amen. So let's, let's pray today. But I want you, I want you to work on yourself. Now, not by yourself, but with the Holy Spirit. Because I think it's very easy. Here's the thing. The problem with the church is we, we, we often educate way beyond application. What I mean is you can come hear me. If you come to this church, you come here every week, teach on this stuff, but you never do something with it. Then all you're doing is hearing a bunch of stuff. You see what I mean? Put this into practice. So maybe you sit here and you already know, I can, without even really thinking about it, I don't like boom, 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 boom about me. Start working on this with the help of the Holy Spirit. That you know, you be down on yourself about those things. Now, there are certain things that I know I must change. I'm not, I'm not denying those things. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, I work on those things. You see what I'm saying? But I, but I don't look at myself and say, oh, really? Really? I just know I'm working this out, and I need help. And the Holy Spirit's going to work with me and help me, right? Let's work on some things. Let's be confident in who we are in him. Amen? Lord, we thank you uh, for an opportunity just to hear your word today. I pray that we find our identity in you. And, and Lord, that can be hard for some of us, maybe because of our, our past, of, of, of what we've been in, in sin or things that were 
said to us in moments of life that changed things about us. I pray, Lord, that we are restored, recovered, and live this new way of being human found in our new creation. Help us. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us. We want to do what you want us to do, but help us. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. 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 Thanks, live streamers. We'll see you on Wednesday.